This week on Moms Moving On. If you think they're going to be exposed to this news, it is definitely a, the best idea for you to tell to talk to your children about this. And the reason for this is you want to be the one in charge of this narrative of what gets said to them, how it gets said to them, how they interpret it. That's a huge one too, right? Because a child can hear a story or can see an image on television and or you know on a phone and interpret it completely differently than the story you're telling them. So I always, like I'm a firm believer, like when we are in charge and control the narrative, we're way better off and so are our kids. Life moves on, so why shouldn't we? This is Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, your host of Moms Moving On, navigating divorce, co-parenting, single motherhood, and moving on. Hi, everyone. Thank you for being here. And unfortunately, this is an episode I hate that we have to have. I'm usually so excited to jump on here and answer questions and talk about the topics that help you along in your divorce and co-parenting journey. But because we are moms moving on and our children are our number one priority, we have to have a conversation about what happened in Uvalde, Texas this week. 20 children were killed, two teachers, because another shooter had access to a school. Now, there's nothing you don't already know, but I'm sure what you don't know is how to talk to your children about this. What do you do when they come to you with the information they're picking up in bits and pieces on the playground? What do you do if you're not sure you need to even have a conversation with them about what happened? Well, unfortunately, we live in a day and age where our children are going to get access to information whether we want them to or not. And as moms, it's our job to be prepared to have these difficult conversations. So there's no one better to teach us how to do this than childhood expert and therapist Evelyn Mendal of Hatch and Bloom Co., which you probably know already from social media. But if you don't, you're going to be hearing really helpful information from the best of people. I urge you to listen to this with um, open ears and an open mind and understand that this is not about politics and not about changing policy. This is simply about how to comfort our kids during really hard times. Evelyn, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Michelle, for having me. I wish it was under different circumstances for sure. As do I, but unfortunately, this is the situation we're in. And I feel that as moms right now, we're carrying a lot of anger. We're carrying a lot of pain. I know I can't watch TV without crying or screaming at the news or just being feeling really angry in general. And at the same time, overprotective of my child. I haven't yet had the conversation with her. I don't know if I should. I don't know the right things to say. And I think this is where all of our heads are at as moms right now. Yeah. I, you know, that's probably the question I'm getting most is, do I tell my child? Do I shield my child from this? Do I wait? Like, what do I do? I know this is like, we don't, we don't have full manuals for how to deal with mass shootings. So it's something that I think we're learning just by putting together what we know about psychology, what we know about child development and what we can sort of infer from all of that, you know? I have, a, I have a daughter too, and she's about Michelle's daughter's age. And I haven't told her either um, because I don't think that she's going to be exposed to the information, but 
I could give you a little bit of my two cents on whether or not maybe parents want to lean towards giving information. Do you want me to go into that? Yeah, I think, you know, what is the right age? And Mm -hmm. first of all, what is the right age to talk to children about what went on? Okay. So this is a really, this is a really tricky question and I'm, I'm not going to give you an age um, because I think that it, it, I'm going to say it depends. It depends on your value system, I would say too, and how you're raising your child, because there are, for example, families who believe that their children should know what's going on in the world and should be exposed to these things since they're young, since they're preschool age. And there are parents who actually believe the opposite, right? They believe, like you know, I want kids. Yeah, like kids be kids. Ignorance is bliss. And they're only going to be shielded from this and protected from, from the harsh realities of the world for so long. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that thinking either. So I'm not going to give you an age per se, but I will say that you can definitely tell children as young as preschoolers and you for sure want to have the conversation if you have kids that are, um, tweens, preteens, teens, 100%, because there's a lot more, there's a lot more likelihood that they are going to be exposed to this. So, so the way that I kind of have guided parents so far is if you think that your kids are going to find out from older siblings, from friends, from school, from just leaving the news on, the TV on, right? From family conversations, even we don't notice sometimes that we're having conversations with friends or family and kids are just kind of like around. So if you think they're going to be exposed to this news, it is definitely the best idea for you to to talk to your children about this. And the reason for this is you want to be the one in charge of this narrative of what gets said to them, how it gets said to them, how they interpret it. That's a huge one too, right? Because a child can hear a story or can see an image on television and, or, you know, on a phone and interpret it completely differently than Mm -hmm. the story you're telling them. So I always like, I'm a firm believer, like when we are in charge and control the narrative, we're way better off. And so are our kids. So tell me the other side of that. What happens when we don't control the narrative or we don't help with the stories that our children are telling themselves based off of what they see on TV or what they hear at school? Yeah. And that's, that's a big part of it is sort of like what I would do is I would want to monitor what information your child knows. So you kind of want to ask, especially if they're kind of older, older elementary preteens, teens, you, you want to ask, you know, what they've heard about this. Have they heard something about that happened at school? What information do they know? And Mm -hmm. that's the starting point always. So you almost want to go with like, what, what is their version of the story? Where is it wrong? Where are there holes in the story? Where do they need more information? And you want them to sort of lead with that, right? So if they know nothing at all, like you don't necessarily have to go into it, but if they're, if they just know, you know, a lot of children were killed and they don't really know, understand like how that happened or what happened, um, you can start to fill in blanks for them. But mm-hmm. I always kind of, I always will go on the side of like not oversharing, but actually sharing less 
and more factual and more simple. And kids will kind of give us cues on when they need to know more or like when something's not clear enough, you know, what would that cue be? Well, sometimes you have the kids that are just like, we'll ask a thousand questions about mm, everything. Like right? Mine, right? Yes. Like mine too. She's not going <laughs> to stop until she's satisfied. not going to take it at face value. Right. <laughs> yeah. She needs to be satisfied with the answer and there will be, you know, a million whys in there. And, and I want to throw in there, by the way, like they might ask questions that we have a really hard time answering because we don't know. Yeah. And, and I get this question a lot and I wouldn't lie to my child. I would actually be very honest um, when you don't know something and say, you know, we don't really know that right now, or we're still trying to figure that out or something like that. It's okay to be ambiguous. You don't want to be ambiguous about the entire story, right? You want to give them facts and you want to help them understand what happened in a very concrete way because kids are concrete thinkers. Um, But it is okay to respond with an, I don't know to something for the kids that won't ask questions. Yeah. So then there's, there's those, right. The ones that will just sort of like, look at you. So, um, you know, your kid best. So, you know, your kid, if it's, if it's a shutdown kind of thing, like if it's looking like this is overwhelming for them, I would totally check in and you don't have to have this conversation all at once. Uh, it's okay to take breaks it's okay to say like, is this, is this feel like really scary to talk about? Or is this really hard? Does this feel really hard to talk about right now? Do you want to take a break? Should we talk about it a different day? It is totally fine to do things like that. Is there anything else you need to know? Is there anything else that you want to ask me? And they, they'll say yes or no, you know? And what we know about kids too, is that they'll sort of digest and process this information, not all at once. So they might be okay for now and they might come back to you tomorrow or in two days or, you know, in four days and, and ask you the same questions that they asked you already. That's sort of how it works with little ones. Yeah. I know for my daughter, when it's a piece of big information, she literally wants me to break it down and tell it to her, like in a story like fashion. And then she'll ask me Mm. to tell her again and again. And I know this is part of her anxiety, but that leads me to my next question. Does telling our children about these things heighten their levels of becoming anxious or are they, are kids just already going to be anxious because of the things happening in the world? Oh man, that's a, that's a hard one for me to answer, but here's here again, I'm going to go with like what we do know about kids and about child development in the brain. We know that when kids can make sense of things, when they can connect dots or when they can understand, um, like when something feels coherent and there's a narrative without gaps in it, they can better digest it. They can better make sense and feel more okay. When there's holes in stories for them, when there's gaps, they don't know how to fill in. What ends up happening is they tend to fill it in with their own ideas. Mm -hmm. And they're, remember that a child's world is so small that that own idea is usually related to something personal, Right. right? So a lot of times they're better off actually knowing the information the entire story, but we always want to make sure there's certain things that we include in there that help to give them a sense of control. Mm -hmm. Right. So some of those examples would be like, you want to talk about 
Yeah. I'm like what, what, how, how are we in control yeah. in this situation? Right. So, which is like the most screwed up question ever. Cause like, are we really in control in this situation? You know, and part of me feels, feels a little bit conflicted to tell you the truth, because I know, I know as a therapist, as a child therapist, like I know, and for, for all trauma, like our kids need to know when bad things happen, they need to know they're safe. They okay, need but to here's, know they're okay. Here's my problem with this, Evelyn, and questions I've gotten in my DMs is as a mom, it's my job to make my child feel safe, but yeah. I don't think my child is safe going well, to school. That's where I was going. So that's where I was going. That's why I feel conflicted. This is a really this is a really strange situation because I'm feeling the same way. And I mm-hmm. actually just like wrote about this the other day that it feels like not authentic for me to say that. So if that doesn't feel right for you, that, you know, you will be, you will always be safe at school. If that doesn't feel right to you because you don't find, you don't feel that to be true. You do not need to tell that to your child. But what I would tell your child is maybe, maybe what are, the protocols and procedures in place at school that are there to keep kids safe? Who are the adults at school that are there to keep kids safe? Does that make sense? So it's not that you're guaranteeing them anything. It's that you're just kind of letting them know how they can feel a little bit more control over their environment there. Because there there are procedures and protocols and people and things in place in schools that are meant to keep kids safe, right? So we know this. But yeah, if it doesn't sit right for you to say, you know, I know you're always going to be safe in your school. I, I hear that. I'm having like, I feel like I'm going to tear up right now because I'm having a really hard time with that. I feel that. I feel that I, I know I don't I don't even believe it myself, you know. It's it's horrific where, you know, Bella just like wrote me a note in her diary that was like, Mommy, you should let me stay home from school tomorrow because tomorrow's Friday, which is basically the weekend. And part of me is like, I wanna let her stay home from school every day. Like mm-hmm. we shouldn't have to feel this way dropping our children off at school, but we do. Yeah. Yeah. And I wish I had like a better answer for that, but that's it's something that I too am struggling with myself. I can't even like say this without tearing up. I know it's really, it's really, really something. I know like whoever would have thought, right. Okay. We're having a moment. It's, but I know that we feel the way every parent feels. Yeah. Which is really unfair. It's really unfair. I don't, I don't understand I just like think about, and what I've been doing lately is like thinking about like my experience at school when I was growing up. And this is just like, how did we get here? How did, how Evelyn, did it- I used to have to go once a year into the hallway, cover my head in case there was a nuclear bomb. Literally, it was like the mm-hmm. drill from like Hiroshima in like the fifties oh or whatever. Yeah. Like that was, and, and Where then was that? <laughs> in Long Island, and then there was a, the tornado drill. There had never once been a tornado yeah. on Long Island, but we had that drill too. But, you know, I'm fine with that. Natural disasters yeah. are bound to happen. These things don't need to. But yes, back to what you were saying, telling children that there are systems in place, God forbid this should happen. But then you know, what this, happens? No, once- I just want to jump in there because this this also brings me, you know, I get this question a lot when we're, when kids discover like the concept of death. And, and that the world have- around them is unsafe. Yes, but even just the concept of death, so like that that people don't live forever, so they experience loss, right? And then what will happen is some kids will 
start to get anxious over their parents, like not their parents dying one day, what will happen to you? What will happen to me? Right. So, so it's, it's really hard to guarantee your child that you're going to be around forever. That's not actually true. Right. Right. So I don't actually believe you have to say that to your child. So the way that I would like handle something like that, and this maybe is just another way to kind of explain it is everything you do to keep yourself healthy and to keep yourself you know, live to live a long life as much as you can, like everything that's in your control. So we always kind of want to refer to the things we know we do that, that give us a sense of control over things, because the truth is that we have no control over anything in life actually. Right. So you see how I'm not going to make a promise. I'll be around forever more and I'm going to live till I'm a hundred, but I will talk about, you know, these are things that we do all the time. We go to doctors, we get, we got checked, we eat, you know, healthy foods, we do exercise. So like we, we really want to kind of talk about the things we know that are in place to help take us there. Does that make sense? Is that sort of like yeah. draw a line of how to, yeah. how to answer this? What happens when children are exposed to conflict between their co-parents? They're more likely to suffer adverse childhood experiences or ACEs, which can directly harm their mental and physical well-being. As a child of divorce and a co-parenting mom, I'm passionate about sharing strategies to help make our children's lives easier as they adjust to being co-parented. Communication is key. And with Our Family Wizard, the world's leading co-parenting app, you'll unlock the door to a happier, healthier childhood. Check out Our Family Wizard's latest guide, The New Co-Parents Guide to Effective Communication, for five time-tested communication tips that can help protect children from emotional turmoil. Download your free copy at ourfamilywizard.com forward slash moms moving on. It's here. Oh my God. I can't believe it. My book is officially out in the world. Have you ordered it yet? It's called Moms Moving On, Real Life Advice on Conquering Divorce, Co-Parenting Through Conflict, and Becoming Your Best Self. Moms Moving On is filled with practical, actionable, and empowering advice from someone who's been through it and comes out the other side. Me. Through inspirational stories, rituals, journal prompts, and my guidance, you'll learn how to navigate your divorce with confidence, adjust to life as a single mom, shift your perspective to find your way back to your best self, and create the life you truly deserve. So order it now. What are you waiting for? So then how do you handle when, you know, we've had these conversations, if we've had to have them, and now our children are scared? regularly daily. What is the conversation like to be able to get your kid out of the house and to school when they're terrified because of this? Yeah. So I want to draw a line between they can have emotions over this and they can have um, some worries and they can have feelings, of course. And by the way, there's no right or wrong when, when that happens, right? So you'll have kids that might actually not really kind of seem emotional to it, really upset. And you'll have kids that are scared, like anything goes. So I want you to think of almost like, this is, this is sort of what it is. This is an abnormal situation. So any reaction to an abnormal situation is normal. There's this quote that says that, which is true. We have to kind of let our children behave the way they're going to behave. And, you know, getting it, it, it would be, 
expected that some kids are going to feel afraid to go back to school. And what I would say is, you know, after a bit of adjustment or a bit of like, you know, helping them develop strategies to like lower their anxiety, or again, what what are the systems in place to keep them safe? Um, If that stuff isn't working and you're really seeing disturbances in sleep, in eating, in daily behaviors, then there could be some trauma there. There could be, uh, this could be something that you really do want to now look for um, a therapist or somebody else to support you. So don't think that you have to handle all of this by yourself, right? If you don't feel like your child is adjusting okay, and this is becoming a bigger issue, I would definitely seek out some support for that. Okay. And I think that's really, you know, how I feel about therapy for children. I think it's invaluable. I think, you know, having yeah. a somebody who is informed on how to handle these issues as they come up, it just gives us that much more peace of mind. So I'm a big fan of that. Um, but one last thing I want to ask you, and I think it's probably very um, timely. How do we explain our own emotions to our children yeah. if they see us get upset about this? If they happen to walk in while we're watching the news and, you know, like me, I'm, I'm sitting there sobbing. Like, yeah. how do we explain that to them? I, just the way that I would explain this to a child in any other situation, I, I believe it's okay for your children to see you have feelings. They're not always going to be positive feelings and and that's much healthier for a child to be able to see an entire range of feelings and that we don't only ex- you know show and express and accept the positive ones but also the the sad ones and the worried ones and the hurt ones and the painful ones that that's going to be more much more valuable to your child because your child will help will hopefully watch you sort of process emotions in a healthy sort of way, right? Mm-hmm. So again, if you too feel like this is becoming something where it feels like you cannot get yourself together every single day, you probably need to look for some sort of support for yourself, right? Because you cannot be okay for your child that way. But if you, if a child walks in and you're, even if you're talking to them about this, right? And the way to talk to them about this is very simple facts like a really sad thing happened or really terrible thing happened this is where it was you always want to give a location so it doesn't feel like it's just everywhere right and you'll explain it based on age so there's many different ways to explain it the the facts of what happened and some adults and some children were killed and you're gonna maybe see people that are really sad about it and you'll really just give some facts right and then you'll always kind of talk about what others, what their school is doing, or, or again, right, like this reassuring safety as much as possible and as much as you feel comfortable and allowing a lot of their feelings to come out. So when you are, you are having those feelings and they're watching you, I would do the exact same thing. So I would say, mommy's having really sad feelings right now. I'm feeling really sad about the, the people that were hurt in this situation. And this is an opportunity for your child to see you express and process an emotion in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Don't be afraid to show them that, you know? And what also I also like about this is like, they see that like this emotion doesn't stay forever, right? Like it's, it will come, it will go. And so they're able to kind of now understand that their own scary emotions and sad emotions will come and go and 
that almost helps them learn to cope with emotions a little bit easier, if that makes sense. Emotions seem less scary if we have them too and we can get past them. Yeah, that does make a lot of sense. And you do, and you do actually want to explain because remember what I said sort of earlier, which is their world is so small that if they just watch you uh, be a nervous wreck or, or really upset or really sad, they may personalize it. If you give them no narrative to what is going on, why are you behaving this way? So it's really important that you do. You'd be proud. I, You know how angry I've been all week about the lack of yeah. um, security in the Miami-Dade County Public Schools. I have not let Bella know that yet because she will never go to school if I tell her they feel uh-huh. unsafe to me. No, I understand that. Yeah, yeah. But it's, you know, this is so important because we really, I mean, the people most affected in these situations are our children, the surviving children of this massacre who were at school that day will be dealing yeah. with the trauma of this for That's, the rest of their lives. And there's a trickle down effect. And 100%. Ha- how we talk to our children is so important. And that's why we are so grateful for people like you. I wanted to just add one more thing. Um, I think that giving kids any age, like you can get as creative as you want if they're younger, but if they do know what happened or you do talk to them, giving them an opportunity to participate in in this in some way, whether it be for a younger child to write a letter or draw a picture to an older child to explain to them what organizations exist that are trying to protect kids and protect people and help them get involved. Like this is really, really helpful for, for a sense of to, to combat the sense of helplessness, right? So we do want to give our kids tools Mm -hmm. for, for how to participate and, and how to help towards changing all these things. They're going to feel a lot more empowered that way. Yeah. And I know almost a year ago now we had our, our own tragedy here in South Florida and you were a large part of that mental health relief effort in helping the victims and families who were affected by Surfside. And I know that you did make live a part of your journey to help. And, and so I do think, you know, that is, that is a great way to help kids yeah. feel like they do have some control maybe in they an do, uncontrollable yeah, exactly. world. Exactly. The same well, for us. Yeah. Well, I think, I think people like you and I jump into action in any way that we can because of this, like this empathetic gene we've been yeah. blessed with. I don't know, but I don't know. I feel it is our duty right now. If, if we have the platform and we have the knowledge to share with others that that's what we need to focus on. And I feel grateful that we had this conversation and that you share this information with us. If people want to learn more from you or work with you to better understand how to parent our littles, how can they find you? So they can definitely find me on Instagram. On definitely find her on Instagram. <laughs> Hatch and Bloom Co. I basically tag her every day. So if you follow me, you <laughs> should be following her. Um, but really... Aside from uh, unfortunate situations like we're talking about now, she does share really helpful information on how to help your children when you're trying to set boundaries or uh, discussions about punishment and all the things that come up for us as moms. Yeah. So, check And I her do want to just share that if anybody listening to this um, has a specific question on this topic on how, you know, to either speak to their kids or they they're worried about something, please feel free to reach out to me. 
I would be happy to, to try and guide you through that too. Yes, you're amazing at that. And everybody who listened, thank you. Thank you for being um, open to the help and the guidance and the information to make this that much easier for your children. I don't even know if easy is the right word for it, but more palatable, manageable, I guess. Yeah. manageable yeah. for anything else. You know, we're always here. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time on mom's moving on. Imagine a place to get all of the resources you need and deserve while going through the divorce process from legal and mediation tips to expert co-parenting advice and heartbreak healing words of wisdom. Imagine a place that offered weekly words of wisdom and inspiration curated just for you by me to help motivate you and make you feel seen throughout the toughest days of your divorce journey. Imagine if that place also provided you with the opportunity to connect with other moms who are going through the exact same thing as you. That place exists and it's called the Moms Moving On membership community. With two membership options, you are guaranteed to find your village and thrive in this next phase of your life. Visit my website, momsmovingon.com and click on become a member to join our community now. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Moms Moving On. I hope you found today's episode to be helpful, inspiring, and give you the advice you need to feel empowered and strong as you move on. Don't forget to come say hi on Instagram at the Michelle Dempsey and drop us a line if there's a specific topic or subject you'd like us to discuss. Thanks. Stay strong.